You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Bride chillers and groom chillers, welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. Delighted to be sharing this time with you and very happy to uh, have a lovely guest on who's been on the show twice before. What a legend. Uh, we are, Before I announce, before I say who it is, I just want to say that we're living in a time of resistance and progress. I think it can be really exciting to be in amongst uh, people speaking out and actually having a say. And in the last 12 months, women have marched, we've spoken out, and we've progressed our want our need for equality on all levels. And one area that we come across daily is the wedding industry. And for me, I think it's a really fairly blinkered industry when it comes to the topic of feminism. And I know that a lot of women, especially our members in the Bride Chiller community, really question the the patriarchal attachments and the ye olde traditions that we have attached to the world of weddings. So, the question of today's episode and the question I pose to you, my lovely guest, Katrina, is can you still be a feminist and get hitched? And before you answer, Katrina, I want to say spoiler alert, because as to quote you, I'm quoting you before you <sighs> even here, it's possible to get to rage against the machine while wearing a white wedding dress. Katrina Market is the feminist bride. You've been on the show before. Welcome back to the Bride Chiller podcast and thanks for listening to my huge speech. Oh, thank you for having me back. I'm happy to be here with you and all your bride chillers. Oh, it's delightful to have you and and on such lovely terms because you are now a published author and I love the title of your book is The Adventures and Discoveries of a Feminist Bride, What No One Tells You Before You Say I Do. And you are one of my favorite guests because you are very knowledgeable. I learn from you every time. And I think that especially in these days, uh, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to feminism. Oh, so much. I just marched in the last Women's March. Uh, it was awesome and empowering. I bet. And look, so great to see, you know, even more women turning out, lots of men turning out as well on you guys. Yeah. And do you, what was the, like, what were the vibes like? What was the, the, the mood? Was it positive? Uh, I, it's definitely positive. I think this year more so than last year is a little bit more anti-Trump. Um, but I don't think that eclipsed everyone's like main goal, which was to bring attention towards women's rights, uh, mm. both in and outside the home. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, as I sort of said in the intro, I really feel like this is a time where, although there's a lot of shit going down and you think there's a lot of, you know, negative stuff happening. I also feel this amazing positivity and I feel this the union of women and people in general just going, all right, we're not going to do this anymore. Let's just get our shit together and try and make this work. And I think it's quite exciting to be a part of that and hopefully making people realize that time is done now. Let's just move on, make it happen. Yeah, I think the Women's March has really been a catalyst to women sort of banding together and acting more as a team and feeling stronger in their own convictions. I don't think you would have had the Me Too movement uh, reach its height that it has at this moment without the Women's March. I think that just really showed that, you know, you're going through these experiences, you're you're having, you're experiencing sexism, um, you know, wherever in your life, and there's other people going through it. And, you know, there's power in numbers once you feel, realize you're not alone. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty psyched about uh, the impact of it. So Katrina, if people haven't been introduced to The Feminist Bride before, and, and I must say, if you would like to go back and listen, they episodes 169 and episode 226, where it was a really popular episode. You spoke about um, name change, and we went quite mm-hmm. deep with, with the ins and outs of ch- changing your name, creating a new name, not changing your name. And it really piqued a lot of people's interest. We got a lot of feedback from that episode. And, and as you know, it's a, a topic that I think poses a lot of um, different opinions and people feel quite passionately either way when it comes to name change. But I thought today it'd be really nice to talk about the book and a little bit about maybe breaking down what your experience has been over. How long have you been doing The Feminist Bride for? Oh, it feels like a decade. (laughs) Might be closing in on that. (laughs) It's a very long time. I've been married a while now. (laughs) Well, let's just, so I suppose I'd like to know how you feel it sort of changed since you started writing and publishing your posts for the feminist blog, Bride, and then on the blog, and then to the evolution of writing the book. And, and also just a little bit, I suppose, I really like this episode to talk a little bit about how Bride Chillers can approach that question that I posed at the top of the, the show about how you can be a feminist, still get hitched, and not feel like you have to be shitting on all the traditions, even though a lot of them are patriarchal and make people feel sad? Yeah. So basically it started out that when I was being a bridesmaid and then also walking down myself, um, walking down the aisle myself, I was failing miserably. I was having tons of drama, uh, really bad instances, very humiliating ones, which are described in the book. Uh, sort of mm-hmm. like me trying to break into my apartment in my underwear to save a bridesmaid's dress and uh, terrible other things that happened to me. <laughs> and I was so frustrated that I was failing so much. So I started researching bridal traditions to try to understand what I was doing wrong. And it turned out I wasn't doing anything wrong necessarily. It turned out that most Western bridal traditions are obsolete. They don't match up with modern women's lives today or or men's. And I really saw a need to modernize traditions. And when I started researching the history of them, I discovered that there isn't one wedding tradition that doesn't relate to gender discrimination, the wage gap, or limiting reproductive rights. And That was tragic to me. Here is this event where you're, it's supposed to be your happiest day of your life. You're supposed to be surrounded by family and friends who love you, who feel equally as happy. And yet when I was a bride, here I am following all these traditions that didn't really respect me completely as a modern woman. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to celebrate my wedding or start off my marriage that way. And so the genesis to the Feminist Bride website and then the book was finding solutions to all those problems, like, and and also creating awareness as to like, what it is we were practicing. And so the book is, it covers all the history to all the major Western wedding traditions. I give a lot of feminist social commentary on it, which is ranges from witty to serious to sassy. And I provide egalitarian solutions to all of them. And I weave all those elements in with my own terribly embarrassing stories. Um, 
But one thing that I reiterate is that here I am being a feminist, but my feminism in the whole process was always developing. My sense of justice and equality um, was always changing. So I got things wrong a lot, um, which is regrettable, but feminism is a process. It's a pursuit of equality. You know, it's, mm. it's about a journey to getting to this point. And what I discovered is that it is totally possible. Um, it just takes a lot of hard work and you can't do it alone. You have to get your fiance on board with you. You have to get your bridesmaids, um, or your groomsmen on board with you. It, like it, like to quote Hillary Clinton, it takes a village <laughs> to have a feminist wedding and to be a feminist fiance. <laughs> I really like um, that you sort of said being a feminist does not mean that we hate tradition. It just means that you have to potentially question and understand what's going down. I think feminism encourages, encourages you to take an educated approach to what you're buying into. You know, when you go to buy a car, you do your research and your due diligence as to whether or not this is the right car for you before you spend you know, $30,000 on it. A car essentially costs the same amount as a wedding, whether or not you're buying a cheap car or a very expensive high-end car. But almost no one does any like due diligence when it comes to what they're buying into for a wedding. And so my book really lays that out on the table. So if you're going to practice the garter tradition, um, it explains to you why that's a tradition and what it means. One observation that stood out to me uh, that you sort of say towards the end of the book is that when you first started to plan your own wedding, that no one treated you as a modern woman and your fiancé's equal. And that just, like I underlined it when I was reading it. I was like, that actually, from the kicking off point when you get engaged and when I've had bride chillers, lots of bride chillers actually sort of say that their partners um, have been really into this, their, their male partners. I'm talking about heterosexual relationships here have been really into wedding planning, but when they contact vendors, people are like, well, can we talk to your future wife? And it's like, why can't the guy ask questions as well? So I actually think there's a reverse, there's some reverse weird patriarchal stuff happening with men wanting to be involved as well, which makes me like go, how do we win this when when they're getting that sort of kickback? Yeah, I think that's a good point and why it's really important to make sure that your fiance is on board as well. Uh, There is definitely a learning curve with my fiance, uh, now spouse, as to how he can be more engaged and how he can think about things a little bit more constructively. And so while the book really focuses on how women can get more respect within wedding traditions, it doesn't exclude men from it. Like the whole concept of a man having to firing, figure out a proposal, like that whole shtick is not fair to men because it's a financial burden that's all on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something that's related to the wage gap. So if we asked women to be more, larger participants in the proposal process, like that's a way to insert more in quality. But it's a conversation that has to happen between two fiancés. It can't be just one-sided and, uh, you know, let the man take over. Everyone has to be engaged. Very true. It's an egalitarian situation in my mind. 
There will be more of my interview with Katrina from The Feminist Bride where we catch up on a couple of old school traditions that we can change and forging your own path when it comes to your wedding week and wedding day and having quiet time to yourself and really reflecting on what it means to get married. And also we touch on that question that I mentioned at the top of the show about can we call ourselves feminists and get married? And the answer very shortly is, of course you can. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> More after this. Katrina, one thing I did notice in from our last episode, and I did sort of say, you know, it kicked off with people feeling quite strongly either way about name change. And I think, you know, if people want to go back and listen to that, I think I would highly recommend because it was a great episode. 226 is the number of, of that. But one thing I... I got an email and I wish I I didn't even bring it up because I thought it was probably uh, who needs to go through it all again. But I remember someone writing to me going, Alicia, I thought that episode was really intense. I thought you and Katrina were both really full on with it all. And I felt guilty for not feeling that way. I don't know how to feel about it. The end. And I, I laughed and we had a lovely conversation going back and forth. And I sort of said, look, this is not, it wasn't about us making you feel bad for making decisions. We just want you to feel like you thought about it and considered that, that that to me is the best thing that can come out of these discussions but it, you must get used to people feel like you're shitting on their sacred rituals or whatever you however we want to put it do you do you get that kickback from people who just feel a bit freaked out so, so in my personal life yes <laughs> uh and I kind of go into that in the book a little bit about hmm. how it's not easy being a feminist bride uh, that's why I try to infuse just a little bit of humor in the book um, to make people feel comfortable with these ideas, even if they are new and radical to them. Um, what can I say? I think the issue is that the feminist topics that I'm bringing up, and they're not even feminist per se. A lot of them relate to social psychology and behavioral mm-hmm. economics uh, and just the history people aren't familiar with it and it's not ever really discussed in our communities. Um, I think that holds back people's awareness of what a wedding actually entails and means and why tradition is meaningful. I think it's a shame, but you know, if someone feels like they're not part of it or they don't care, that doesn't mean they can't care. You know, all you have to do is mm-hmm. listen to podcasts like this or pick up our books. Um, there's definitely room for everyone with different ideas. I think the most important element is that everyone just remain open-minded. And because mm-hmm. um, the bottom line is, I want to be able to find a way to be both a bride and a feminist. And I think there's a happy medium. You know, my suggestions that I make in the book are just about finding ways for everyone in the process to feel more respected. And I think that's like the best thing you could ask for in a wedding. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't consider those options if that's the alternative to embracing uh, and feminism with your wedding is just to feel like a person. What are some of the the comments that you have received about? I think you know. Actually, I, I want to say that our first episode we did together, um, which mm-hmm. was like episode one hundred and sixty nine. I mean, you dropped some really great truth bombs about some of the traditions that, and where they came from. And I think that sometimes, as you said, 
it's just the idea of not looking in or doing any sort of detective work on what some of the things that we do over and over again when it comes to weddings and go, I don't, I don't know where that happened. And people really reacted going about the cake being attached to um, the losing of virginity and hymen breaking and all this sort of stuff. Another, mm-hmm. you know, lots of bread chillers were like, oh my God, I had no idea. It's fascinating. And you do a lot in the book. You talk a lot about the traditions in the book as well. It's really interesting. Yeah, people have no clue that the garter came from a a medieval ceremony called the wedding ceremony or the bedding ceremony, and it's really just a medieval groping. That's how the garter toss was uh, uh, created. That's especially like a little hard to hear in the Me Too wake um, where everyone's a little bit more – self-conscious about uh (laughs) sexual harassment but yeah that's how it started was medieval sexual harassment oh my god me too um (laughs) terrible absolutely terrible tell me a little bit about what your favorite moment of wedding planning was and how you conquered some of the patriarchal stuff that you came across Ooh, well, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes uh, a lot of my feminist realizations were in retrospect, uh, which is really nice to have the blog because, you know, I can warn other people just to be conscious of when you're planning certain things. Uh, one of the things that I regretfully did was I sort of defaulted to uh, typical gender roles. Like, you know, I wanted my fiance to be engaged in the wedding planning. So I gave him what I thought were interesting jobs, which ended up just being stereotypical uh, man jobs. (laughs) And uh, I should have been a little bit more equitable in terms of how we split things up. Like it wasn't my job just to figure out decoration. He should have been engaged. And like, I have an opinion about Mm. what type of booze we should serve. Um, I did make him figure out the bands we hired, but I married a music geek. So that (laughs) was not my area of expertise. He was going to do that better than me, no matter what. Um, Yeah. And I did go and buy my wedding band by myself. I found that really empowering um, Mm. because he did the typical guy job, which is to buy the engagement ring um, and propose. I went on my own with my mom. He wasn't even around. And um, we shopped together and I purchased it myself. It was great. I felt very empowered (laughs) doing that. And I think people should consider, you know, going dress shopping on your own, doing, making, you know, decisions. Actually, a lovely um, guest we've got on the show coming up, Carly, she's a bride chiller and she's also a disability advocate. And she sort of said one of the things she did on her wedding day morning was to take herself off for breakfast on her own and have some quiet time. She didn't want to be surrounded by people. And... I love the way she described going out to this cafe and ordering breakfast and having a coffee and having some quiet headspace and not following that thing of being surrounded by your gaggling girls, which is great if that's what you want to do, but you don't have to do that. And I loved her her description of this morning and saying it really gave her a moment of being with herself and figuring out what the day meant to her and the process meant to her um, of joining this union. And, and I think we often don't stop and have those moments at all, let alone on your wedding day morning. I think that's beautiful. I love that idea. Um, I think it gives this moment of peace and reflection, but it really honors the self. Like One of the things that I tried to stress was that even though there's a we in wedding, the thing is 
old school wedding traditions don't really uphold the identity of the bride at all. They sort of just erase the woman and make her into this team player of a wife, um, of a soon-to-be mother. It doesn't hold up her identity, but it does the groom's. Uh, A really good division of that is between the white wedding cake and the groom's cake. But your fiancé fell in love with you. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, I hope they don't want you to become someone else just because you're getting married. And so I think to have a little moment to yourself, to just chip your hat off to yourself and honor yourself, I think that's just beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was great. That was really great. Um, Katrina, what's the one thing, if people have never really considered themselves to be a feminist bride or a feminist at all, when they buy your book and they read it, what, what's the one thing you would like them to take away from it? Ooh, that's a big not a, Not a big question for you. <laughs> you know, I'd love it if they were just more educated. You know, they learned a little bit more about what it means to have a wedding and be a host. I also think one thing that I tried to stress in the book is that it's not actually the bride's big day. If you are getting married, you are a host to your family and friends and their needs are really important. And when you think about a wedding as a community event and you think a little bit about feminism, I think you take into consideration um, treating other people with more respect. And when that happens, I think more acceptance is created for same-sex couples, uh, gender non-conforming people who want to get married and have relationships. And I think that's probably the healthiest perspective you can have after reading my book is that, you know, weddings affect a lot of people aside from just the newlyweds. Um, And I, yeah. Uh, Well, I hope that our bride chillers will go out and support you. I think this book is fantastic and there are so many aspects of what you've written that I've learned over the years of speaking with you and reading The Feminist Bride and I feel absolutely delighted to have had a sneak peek before everyone else and um, you should be really proud, Katrina, and I think it's just really vital reading, especially for people that are questioning you know, what they can do differently or improve or at least expand their horizons when it comes to feminism and also just relationships. And it's fun as well. I laughed a lot. So the the title of the book again is The Adventures and Discoveries of a Feminist Pride. What no one wants to tell you before you say, I do. And uh, Katrina, thank you so much again for coming on the show. And if people want to learn more about what you do, where will we send them? You can send them to thefeministbride.com. Katrina, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And I really, uh, I hope we can speak again. And for those people who would like to go back and listen again, it was episode 169 and 226. And uh, they're, they're mighty worth a listen if I do say so myself. So thank you so much again. Well, thank you for having me. It's so great to, you know, be here with you and to know that there are other feminist brides out there or grooms. Yeah, we're all feminist brides. Everyone listening to Bride Chiller are feminist brides, even if they don't know it, they're going to be. That sounded threatening. Didn't mean it to be. (laughs) We're very Get on board, people. Get on board. Happy days. 
The Bride Chilla Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.